Well, okay, we're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, which comes to you free every single Tuesday. You can watch and stream us at YouTube. Just search up for Geek in the City. Facebook Live, of course, Geek in the City. But our preferred place is check us out over on twitch.tv forward slash geek in the city. You can watch us live. You can engage in the chat. We try to respond as often as possible when people are live with us in the chat because that just makes it a lot of fun. If you're not able to catch us live every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time, well, the podcast goes up also free on Wednesdays, sometimes Thursdays, because, you know, life happens at times. As always, this show will always be free to you, the listener. All we ask is that you please share and give us five-star reviews on any of your podcast aggregate of choice or our Twitch channel, whatever is required. And, of course, please show our sponsors some love uh they're the ones that keep us going they have believed in us in a long time just like you have so with all of that out of the way here we go we're going to kick off an all-new issue of geek in the city radio why hello and welcome to issue 716 of geek in the city radio i'm one of your hosts oron duran and i'm your other host cable hashitani and we are starting a little differently this week uh, Denise will be joining us later, but we are super excited to have on uh, filmmaker, composer, actor, writer uh, Richard Elfman <laughs> <laughs> uh, and his partner, uh, equal filmmaker, dancer, burlesque performer, choreographer, singer, Anastasia. Hello. Hello. Man, thank you for joining us here. This is kind of, I feel like, you know, as, as one who has always kind of liked the weird stuff and lived in the video store when I was a kid. I'm kind of having like that nerd moment of like, how am I talking to them, man? This (laughs) I could tell like teenage me, like you don't know what you're going to get to do one day. (laughs) Wait till you see the show December 1st. Uh, We've got tickets. Yep. For sure. Let's talk about that for a second. December 1st at the Clinton street theater is your fantasy insanity night. Uh, this is uh, coming to us presented by Guillaume Fest. It, I always have a hard time with this word. Guignol. Guignol Fest. Thank Guignol. you. Um, there's going to be live music, burlesque performance, and then three movies the cult classic The Forbidden Zone, the director's cut of it, Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks, which stars your son, Bodie Elfman, mm-hmm. and then the brand new one, the, the brand new horror comedy musical, Bloody Bridget. Starring Anastasia Elfman. Yes. <laughs> I'm really excited to see that one. So <laughs> so let's get into it that way. Let's, uh, for, I know that we've read the synopsis, but for our listeners and viewers, uh, what uh, what is the synopsis for Bloody Bridget? Well, it's a very simple synopsis. Uh, there's a very oppressed burlesque dancer at a dive bar in Van Nuys, California, and everybody, like like her boss, her boyfriend, sleazy lawyers, the cops, they're just all over her. And it's just so bad until Baron Samadai, the voodoo deity of life and death, mm-hmm. turns her into a Valentine vampire. Well, what's that? Oh, you shall see. Sucking blood only whets her appetite. She must eat their beating hearts. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Sorry. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't worry. They all deserve it. They're all very, very bad people. Of course they do. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. as long as amazing practical effects and so much blood and gore. So much. But but by the way, if you can't handle humor, blood, and gore, this film isn't for you. Yeah, I think I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's sex. I think we're good. Oh yeah. Oh, and sex. Then that's pretty much our audience. So you're you'll be pretty good here. Uh, watch with my luck this will be the very first episode my mom ever listens to it's going to be (laughs) (laughs) excellent so what uh what about this movie in particular inspired you to do a like you've been doing the live show and live appearances for other in other places i think just in uh down in texas back in october well how about brazil canada oh wow getting around yeah 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 actually we've been doing this for over 12 years at, at different places, but all the shows are different. Okay. So, um, hmm. so what should the, the Portland crowd expect from what you're bringing them? Just major fun, originality, excitement, insanity, and fantasy. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, got, I've got an amazing band a headline by Lorna Baxter. Okay. Lorna Baxter. Okay, so we have Cab Calloway's Minnie the Moocher. Going back in time, Cab was so cool, gave me Minnie the Moocher for 500 bucks. Cab's no longer with us, but he'll be watching from above, and he's going to love Lorna Baxter. She can okay. sing. She can <laughs> knock it out. And then Anna's got these burlesque stars that she's performing with. I've got two local Portland burlesque stars, uh, Odette Thorne. And Jasmine Rain, and they knocked me out, and I'm so happy to be collaborating with them for our uh, live pre-show event of sizzling, sexy, maybe bloody burlesque. <laughs> Definitely yep. bloody, actually. <laughs> that does sound like a, a. That sounds very Portland, to be quite very honest. Much very much. So, yeah. And you're going to be at the Clinton Street Theater, which is also very well known for this kind of. Uh, bringing these kind of shows it's hosted the rocky horror picture show as oh a, by the way gotta interrupt just got in touch yeah. with the with the rocky horror crowd oh yeah okay so in the los angeles general area mm-hmm. the rocky horror troops have shadow casted my film forbidden zone and i'm really? talking with the your clinton street cabaret who do rocky horror in portland uh they're interested in doing a forbidden zone shadow cast but that oh. that'll be in the future that's but cool. I'm excited about, about this. I, I played the devil. I read about the, the princess. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. I like this a lot. Yeah, we we, we love our Rocky Horror friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I feel as though that there's a lot of crossover in that Venn diagram of Rocky fans and Forbidden Zone fans. Uh, definitely a crossover. Mm-hmm. We're all weird. We like to dress up and we like to perform. <laughs> and lack that sounds inhib- about right. And, and lack inhibition. Yes, that, that all sounds great. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, that sounds like that gets into, you guys have, uh, where do I have it in my notes? The the salon, the this. Uh, oh, the barbecue bacchanal. Yes, that one. What, well, okay, what we have this? a. a kind of do a quarterly it's like an underground thing that we host Mm -hmm. i mean the house can hold maybe 50 60 people and i grill and then anna performs with these kind of underground musical musicians 
But it's it, when I say burlesque, that's too small. It, it, it's more David Lynch, very dark, okay. <laughs> almost like Buto, if you know anything about. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah it, it, it's bloody and dark. You know, and I cook and, and we feature local artists and musicians, but really amazing musicians. Huh. And I cook. I, I cook for my I grill for my cast and crews at the end of every week. How long? Oh, wow. You, how long has this been a passion for you? <clears throat> Grilling me? Yeah. God, I back from uh, <laughs> 1969. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> yeah. So just just a skosh before my time, but but almost. <laughs> um. So what's that rule? Is as long as you keep them fed, they'll do anything for you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, we we love hosting. We host a lot of dinner parties and things and and these big these other big kind of parties, but we like connecting our friends and especially our friends that are in like the horror scene and mm-hmm. creatives and so we love our friends to like connect and start working together. So it's it's a really wonderful environment to, you know, have people get to know each other. It sounds very much like you are both uh thrive in the spirit of collaboration and and really working together with artists. I I like that a lot. Um, I used to curate an art gallery, so I I get that. I get where that comes from. Uh, After collaborating uh, creatively for a a decade, what does your process look like? Like how much, like who comes up with the idea? How, what's the ebb and flow? God, I don't know. I'm music. She's danced. It uh, it, it just it just happens, and, and we have fun. And, and believe it or not, we don't fight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we practice that one. Good job. Right. Good job. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless it's in the script. Healthy yeah. amount of mutual admiration and respect for what each other does creatively. Anastasia is a total original, mm-hmm. you know. And, and my my work ain't too uh, off the shelf either. <laughs> that is it is not. That that is very true. Um, I like that. That that's it's very poetic to say that uh, you're you're the music and she's the dance. Like that that is incredibly poetic and it does answer the question very succinctly. I, I mean, also, I mean, we're huge fans of each other's work. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna's a, a total original, uh, and I just am always amazed with what she comes up with. I mean, it, it definitely like always helps too. when you're. He's pretty good. <clears throat> it helps when you're each other's biggest right? fans. Did I say that right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> also, it's like what he was saying. We have a mutual respect. I mean, at this point, we've collaborated on almost 100 percent of the stuff that we've been doing for the over you know a decade. So it's kind of like we know how each other's instruments work, and we can respect that flow and then also support each other you know not everything that i do you know it involves him in a way but he's you know has my back he's going to get me fake blood he's you know getting me balloons and stuff and vice versa you know he's in writing mode i'm making sure he's eating and making sure he's like i'm driving him around so he's safe and he's not in tunnel vision so it's it's definitely like a (laughs) partnership and we collaborate together and we you know produce these these fun events like what we're doing in Portland, you know, right. it's definitely a co-production. 
Um, well, that's fantastic. Great. Yeah. So so she so she brings you food and blood. What do you what do you bring her when she's working? God, I don't know. I, I balloons. Balloon, I blew up. I blow up balloons. Uh, oh yeah, he does blow up the balloons. I, I, I grill. Anna's a vegetarian, so I grill her vegetables. Uh, mm. Baked goat's cheese, roast garlic. I, I know how to keep her happy. With balloons. With balloons. That's, that is the important part, right? You tie um, enough balloons and you just float her meal towards her across the backyard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I was uh, watch, watching the um, the Forbidden Zone and Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks over the weekend. Um, there was a, a theme that I noticed that I wanted to kind of get your take on. They Both films, um, albeit very absurd, also deal a lot with familial bonds like both <laughs> families seem to have very crazy come from crazy families but the siblings were the ones that had each other's backs uh and i feel like that what i've seen you talk about of your brother um in like i feel like that's like you're kind of showcasing you how you and and danny came up together um but I'd love to hear if that was how deliberate that was for for those movies. I, I, I wouldn't say there's a relationship between what we have with those two films on screen, which were uh, God, a, a Mother from Hell and Mother from Other Hell. I don't know uh-huh. which. <laughs> uh, Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks is the poignant story of an out of work actor that wakes up with the key to the universe up his ass. Uh, and that would be simple enough if uh, little Vern Troyer, who's an intergalactic emperor, is coming to get it. Yep. But anyway, uh, God, Danny and I, we've worked together since he was in his late teens. Uh-huh. And uh, no, we just get along. It's like, like I'm, I'm lucky. To, my little brother turned out to be Mozart. You, you know, I'm going to take advantage of it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and we have almost identical musical tastes, like like our musical mm-hmm. libraries are almost the same. Uh, so we we know what's in each other's heads. Yeah, he did. He's actually all three films. He did the score to Forbidden Zone uh-huh. and with Ego Plum, mm-hmm. our bandmate. He did the scores to Aliens, Clowns and Geeks and Bloody Bridget. Oh, all film fun. threes are almost wall to wall music, by the way. <clears throat> oh, that's, that's great. great. Can you can you get your little brother to work for free, or does he make you pay him? <laughs> no, it's like, uh, hey, Danny, I need a favor. It's not going to cost you anything. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm I am really looking forward to Bloody Bridget. I think it's uh, from the stills and watching the trailer and the synopsis and everything that you've talked about. It. It's like, okay, this. We've spent the past couple of years going to uh, horror film fests specifically, so this is definitely right up our alley. So I, I think this is going to be great. Well, um, it's a great story about mm-hmm. you know a, a woman who's used and abused, and it's total like female empowerment. And the trick is, is that we let the bad guys be really bad, you know, right. so the audience wants them to die. So it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The sleazy lawyer with his hard half out of his chest even <laughs> comes up to a thousand bucks 
to make her stop. But that doesn't work for blood and vengeance. <laughs> if, if all you want is yeah, if all you want is blood and vengeance, money yeah. is no good. Yeah. You Money's never going to do it. Only your endless if dreams. If it weren't for that contract she signed with the devil, things would be okay. But it ends up with a trial. We have our, our two little people, lawyers, uh, Daniel Dershowitz and Daniel Dershowitz Jr. So it's the devil and Daniel Dershowitz <laughs> in the climactic scene, the big trial in hell. Is uh, Daniel Dershowitz Sr., is he, I seem to remember, is he the same guy that was in Twin Peaks? No? no. I'm thinking of someone else. Okay. Another little person. I, I am confusing my little people. That's not. By the way, we're huge David Lynch fans here. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. I'm shocked. Shocked at this. Shocked. At Is that, that? Yeah. I, it's funny. You didn't see that one. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, uh, I feel like. Judging by some of the things I've seen in his films, I feel like he's probably a fan of yours as well. Yeah, we have a good story, but uh, it, it's too long to tell on the podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, oh. In, in a nutshell, okay, in a nutshell, <laughs> I was like, do it. It's my birthday, and I didn't know that Anna had choreographed this like thing to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm having dinner with my brother and Bodie, and my younger son Louie, and David Lynch is is at the next table, but it's tight seating, so we're almost like six inches away, our shoulders. So suddenly a car pulls up and a gorilla runs out and drags me out of the restaurant. Uh, That's just the beginning of the evening. But they asked David Lynch about it later and he said, oh, yeah, that's just like I I understand. Yeah, (laughs) I just accepted it was what he said. He's like, that's just what happens. He's he's a friend. He's a cool guy. Nice. Yeah, that, that sounds very much like a David Lynch response. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, just We have a couple to... hardcore David Lynch fans that will be so happy to hear that actually. Oh good, good. <laughs> uh I was going to say Aaron and I were talking uh before you came on that um one of the things that I noticed about the Forbidden Zone is while it is clearly something that I have never seen before in, in its entirety there are pieces of it all the way along that I'm like no, I've seen that in a film that came 10 years later, and I've seen that in a film that came 20 years later, and I've seen that in a film that came five years later. It's like, I feel like a lot of creatives in Hollywood definitely saw The Forbidden Zone and started, that it's filtered into other mainstream films along the way. The, the, it, is that something that you think you've seen? Uh, yeah, it's going strong 43 years later. The, the funny thing is, is when I did it, it, it bankrupted me. There were legal problems and it disappeared for 20 years. And then I put up a website for the first time and I've got fans all over the world. And I, I guess it had been bootlegged. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I finally got the rights back, had it colorized, fixed a couple things that I would have fixed back in the, the beginning, mm. which I have in the new director's cut. It's a little bit different. Uh but it's the way, I mean, now I've got it the way I wanted it. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Mm-hmm. It's always nice yeah. when people can revisit a piece of artwork that they've done and go, I, this is what I wanted, but I couldn't do it then, and now I can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite satisfying. To, a few things that I didn't like I took out. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I always wanted it colorized. 
long story. I, I originally wanted to send it to uh, China or Korea and have these things hand tinted. It was a thing they did in Paris, like in the 20s. Oh, okay. Completely oh, okay. impractical, and I, I went bankrupt. But uh, anyway, now with, with CGI and colorization, I was able to get the color exactly the way I wanted mm-hmm. it. Cool. That's very and, cool. And you are still wanting to do the Forbidden Zone 2, if I'm correct. Forbidden Zone 2 is my bucket list film. Okay. And I've come, I've come close to making it a few times, but haven't quite gotten there. But so help me God, Forbidden Zone 2 is my bucket list film. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll show a little, a little kind of trailer for Forbidden Zone 2 at the Clinton Theater, by the way. Oh. Oh, cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. It, so definitely it, it, any Portlanders listening, if you have not bought tickets yet, buy your tickets now. I think they're, I don't believe it's sold out yet, but it will be soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it will be soon. A lot of these shows at the Clinton like this sell out very quickly. So don't don't sit on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Um, let's see. So, uh, what, what, what's next? <laughs> I know. No, no, no. Oh, oh, it's that time of the show. Well, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and, and now we've entered the shirts off portion of the program. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Rick was saying, um, a lot of his fans were exposed to Forbidden Zone with bootleg copies. Mm -hmm. So they're not used to it being so readily available. And also they don't know that he's on social media. And so we're actually trying to get the word out that Ricky is active on Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. And then Forbidden Zone has its own Facebook and uh, Instagram pages and for most Fridays, we do a fun thing called Fan Art Friday Forbidden Zone Edition. And so we support um, Forbidden Zone fans that are artists, and it could be in any medium like makeup or or cosplay or pottery or gravestones, whatever you want. We'll share it. And so it's like a really lovely, supportive community that we're growing and trying to get the word out to, you know, have all the weirdos come over and hang out with us. <laughs> <laughs> I like this endeavor. Um, I like it yeah. a lot. Um, what makes you think that people keep just rediscovering the Forbidden Zone? Like, it seems like it it hits like every new generation. Someone finds it and shares it, and someone finds it and shares it. What do you think causes that? What's the appeal to every new audience member? Very simple. Like little King Fausto, Hervé Vilches from Fantasy Island says, I will have a whole army of zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's uh, timeless, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not going to lie. When he showed up on screen, I got very excited. So. <laughs> uh, well, well, okay. Also, as I, I've got to say, uh, I go through hundreds and hundreds of pieces of music uh-huh. looking for things that are timeless, that transcend time and demographics, whatever. All my films have these musical nuggets, if you'll forgive my beating my own drama. I'm a percussionist. Uh-huh. And then along with Danny Elfman, original music and Eagle Plum, uh, th- there's music in these films that is timeless, will last, it's going to go on forever, uh, along with fun and absurdity. And in my heart, I'm an entertainer, and I like films to be entertaining, 
as well as artistic. <laughs> well, I was going to, Cable and I were talking about this right before you all signed on in that uh, your films also feel like they're very much a product of someone who grew up and was exposed to the the filming and television culture of Southern California. Because I feel like yeah. if you grew up in like Chicago or New York, it just, it may not hit the same way. Is Do you feel like being around that in your entire childhood and through your adulthood had some Not influence? at all. <laughs> not at all. I, I was born in Watts on 103rd Street and we moved up to Crenshaw, mm-hmm. oh. Boys in the Hood. I might as well have been a thousand miles from Hollywood. Oh, huh. wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I might as well have been a thousand miles from Hollywood. Uh, I mean, we live under the Hollywood sign right now, but, but growing up, uh, there, there was no connection with, didn't know anybody in the industry or anything like that. Oh, wow. So what, what, what do you think influenced your, your expression of your art in such a way? I don't know. I, since I was 15, I was into Afro-Latin percussion. And then, uh, <clears throat> God, I'm in San Francisco. I'm in an Afro-Latin group. And I run into, there was a group in San Francisco called the Coquettes, C-O-C-K. E-T-T-E-S, Coquettes. And uh, they had this, it was like a monthly weekend called the Nocturnal Dream Show. And that's where I was exposed to uh, Max Fleischer cartoons for the first time and and kind of drags for the first time. And it, it was kind of an epiphany. And two, three months later, I was acting and directing and writing stuff for the Coquettes. And then I got invited into a French theater company in Paris uh, and three months later, my brother joined me the day he got out of high school. Huh. But anyway, it was a, a, an odd trajectory. Yeah, but it's very that's very fascinating. I'm looking up the Cockettes now. I'll have to find a way to do a deep dive and see if their music has survived up until now somewhere. I'm trying to think. I God, What did I write? I wrote this song called The Pumpkin Man a couple of years ago. Someone, they were doing some documentary on the Cockettes. I had to sign over permission but uh you know this was uh it was, it was a wild avant-garde troupe I, I mean the rocky horror crowd would have loved the coquettes yeah that tracks <laughs> yeah that completely tracks there for sure <clears throat> um oh no i had a question and then it just left my brain that, that's what happens uh cool well, yeah, so let's see. Uh, December 1st is the show uh, at the Clinton Street Theater. So it's, uh, yeah, it's the, I think it's the third Guignol. Three movies and a live show is its official title. All right. Forbidden Zone, uh, Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks, and Bloody Bridget with uh-huh. a live music and burlesque pre-show featuring the Lorna Baxter Band, the fabulous Lorna Baxter Band that I'm playing percussion with. And Anna's doing Bloody Burlesque with... Featuring Odette Thorne and Jasmine Rain, local Portland burlesque stars. Nice. Very exciting. Uh, will you do any... 5 p.m. Go ahead. Uh, five, that starts It goes starts at 5 p.m. And we'll probably go till 11-ish. Then they've got Ooh, some after marathon. party. They've got an after party. I was going to say, where's, where's the after party going to be? Or we figure that out later. You have to buy a ticket first. <laughs> <laughs> Say, uh, Cable and I and Denise, we have we have heard ourselves at horror festivals there that technically get out at eleven, and all of a sudden it's three a.m. and are like, we need to go home somehow. 
<laughs> don't know how, but we need to find a way to get home. <laughs> yep. God, and we, we have a show in a city the next day. I, I don't even know what city. We, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. <laughs> the, the next, next day. day. Oh, we land I, yeah. And perform. I, I perform, and then we screen Bloody Bridget for uh, the Sin City Film Fest. And oh, wow. the following weekend, we're in New York and San Francisco. That's so you're clearly fantastic. slowing down and just pacing yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yes. into the holiday season. Yeah, 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 that's right. We just wanted to relax. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, it's a man. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Like it, this is this is really cool. I was stammering a few times there because I was like, I don't know what to do. This is just so damn fucking cool. So. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I know Cable and I will be there, and I hope everyone gets tickets for December 1st. Yep. And by the way, um, uh, yeah. we put on a hell of a fucking show. I <laughs> can only imagine. And it's six hours long, so... Yep. The show um, isn't. <laughs> huh? No, the show... I, the right. event looks to be, but yeah. No, no you must but... perform for six hours straight. Yeah. Well, we're excited to come to Portland. We found great artists to collaborate with in terms of music and burlesque. So it's very exciting for us. And uh, God, Anastasia's sister lives near Portland. Oh, you know, yeah. So we've got some family up there. Oh, cool. Here's the part where we're local. We're like, what part? Of, where does she live? We're near her. <laughs> uh, Salem? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an, an hour, hour and a half away. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I'm her sister. She'll do anything. <laughs> you get her to work for free, too. <laughs> so we'll see you at the clinton theater yes you the will clinton street theater december 1st absolutely we'll be there yes. yeah we can we do wait. a little social media plug is that okay? please do do please it do. yeah go thank Whatever. you we'll make sure okay. to tag it all too perfect okay so you can find rick and myself so richard elfman and anastasia elfman on facebook and all of our films forbidden zone aliens clowns and geeks and bloody Bl bridget all have Facebook pages. And then on Instagram, I'm under my stage name, Dahlia DeMont. And then Richard is under his name, Richard Elfman. And then the three films all have their own pages. So give us a like and a follow. And yeah, come join us. I am, can't wait. I just followed I just followed Richard. So now I got to find you on Facebook. Perfect. I'll do, hey, I'll thank do you live for adding us. and sharing. Thank, thank you, you so much. Having... I hope your, your rehearsal goes well. And see you in Portland. Yes, yep. thank Absolutely. you for having us. So nice to meet you. Nice to you meet too. you. Have a great night. Thanks. Take care. Cheers. <laughs> Bye. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was good. Yeah, super fun. Ooh, that's a lot of energy. Yes, it is. Um, oh, that's a lot of fun. Also, I'm not that energetic, and I'm only 47 years old, so I got to get what he's on. Uh, when I was uh, writing up introductions, uh, one of the things that uh, the, an adjective I used, and I looked it up, and I'm like, nope, that's accurate, is bon vivant. That, that is 100%. Is bon vivant. <laughs> I do believe the term is technically bon vivant. I just like saying it that way. Do you? <laughs> I do, actually. <laughs> I used to say it a lot when I was like in junior high. I don't know why, but I just did. I, I, um, I know why. I know what kind of kid you were. <laughs> how dare you? Yeah. Um, 
big thanks to Richard Elfman and Anastasia Elfman. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you also to uh, Dylan and Julia at Guignol Fest. Um, like I said, I used to work with them at Fright Town back in the day. They are wonderful people. They have been doing great things for the horror scene here in Portland. And this is just another big, big thing that they, like, go see this. Uh, tickets are 35 bucks. That is well worth the price of admission. Yeah, for um, sure. Like, I know how to do math, but it, it really hadn't dawned on me that I'm going to be sitting in the theater for six hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we've done it before. We've done it for yeah, longer. And we will again. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, I am bringing, speaking of Fright Down, I am bringing Dave Helfrey with me. Oh, well, now people have to go. I mean, uh -huh. um, that's like a show that. unto itself. Yeah, the, both Dave and our friend Jesse, who also did makeup at uh, Fright Town, as well as construction and acting. She's great. Um Dave That's confided awesome. in, well, not confided. Dave let me know. I'm like, I, I figured, like, I asked him, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go to this. Do you want to go? He's like, fuck yes. Yes, I want to go. I'm like, cool. I mean, anyone who knows Dave and the Museum of Horror can't say, like, he was not at all influenced by this. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> he's, he's like, I have watched that movie at least ten times every year before getting into haunt season in fact one year it was the orientation film for the museum <laughs> that's actually kind of great yep um, um boy does uh, that track really hard yep i i do want to like i'll i definitely will reach out to uh dylan and julia but i want to make sure that dave gets to meet richard he has to. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be there to watch it. Oh, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I just want to make those things happen. I don't have to be a part of it. It's like, no, go go do the thing. I'm going to be over here. Have I don't have to be a part of it, but I want to sit back and watch him. His eyes just light up. Yeah. Because Dave doesn't get starstruck that often, but I feel like this one might do it. No, I think that he took me to, um, you know, the artist Baseman. Who's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, Baseman was in town. Oh, God, this is probably a decade ago at this point. But uh, mm -hmm. he's like, hey, I want to go see this. You want to go? With I'm like, yeah, done. Let's go. And that was at the Hollywood. And he just kind of gave a speech and showed some short films and was a, a weirdo. And like hanging out with Dave and watching him get excited about that was like, oh, OK. Yeah, this this tracks also with the right. art I've seen you do. Yeah. So well, that's cool. Well, let's take a quick little break because I think Denise is about to join us. She just texted that uh, it took her almost an hour to get from work to her home. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Ooh. So let's Ooh. take a quick break and we'll come back with our own beanerita and go on from there. So yeah. don't go changing. Can't believe I just said don't go changing. Don't go changing. Go changing. To try to please see the Wayne Brady thing. We're gonna take a break right now. <gasps> Once again, we want to give a huge thanks to Richard Elfman and Anastasia Elfman for that really fun interview. Interview that is brought to you by our amazing sponsors. First up, of course, we have got Guardian Games. They are the city's greatest game store. 
And, you know, you can find them really easy in Portland in 345 Southeast <laughs> Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. They're on just any way you want to get there. Drive, uh, they're on a streetcar line, bike, walk, anyway. Um, it used to be that finding there was the adventure, but now it's really easy to get there. So the adventure begins when you walk in. Um, you know, they have every kind of game you could ever possibly think of. And even games of like, really? Like space-faring pirate raccoons? Yes, that's a game. And you can play it. And you should play it. Uh, if you ever watched like Guardians of the Galaxy and thought, I want an entire adventuring party of rocket raccoons. Well, now you can do it uh, with that game. Or really any game. It doesn't really matter. But I bring all that up because... You know, there's all the you know, there's the big guns out there. There's Wizards of the Coast. There's Kobold Press. There's Paizo. All those folks. But there are some fantastic. You know, as no, that's the publisher. That's a distributor. Modifius. Anyway, what I'm saying is that there are a lot of great games out there that are put out by single creators or very small press, and that is where some of the really fun and interesting kind of cutting edge storytelling styles are being done in the TTRPG world. And I highly suggest you check that out. Guardian Games. 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. When you're there, thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. Just like one of our newer um, sponsors over at Babel Buy. Check it out, babelbuy.com. Uh, they're basically there to kind of help you get your small business up and running. You will find them at visitor centers. Notch. Uh, some hotels, they've got like, you know, the Portland Geek Guide, the Portland Food, uh, Food Pod Guide. So, you know, they're kind of filling a niche role that some places don't have. If you have a small business, uh, reach out to them. You know, they might be able to help you out, get them in one of their guides, get them on the website, and get them on their app. Uh, they're doing some pretty fun stuff there. So check them out over at uh, babblebuy.com. And if you see their geek guide around town, uh, maybe look for a little uh, a little ad for this show right here. So that's pretty dang cool. Babbleby. Check them out, babbleby.com. And now, let's get back to the show. Why, hello. Welcome back, friends. Hello. Hi. Hello. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, you're a little quiet. I can't wait to get you the new mic. Oh, yay. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't want to, like, just turn up you guys. There, that, that might help. You know, turn it up, bring the noise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that made you guys louder. I don't know if it's making me any louder. I got it. I'll make it work. Hey, okay. how's it going? Oh, boy. I forgot how long it takes me to get home. <laughs> or maybe traffic is yeah. extra bad today. Um, it is extra bad. Up- there are more people on the road today. Traffic is just going to be bad this week in general because pe- there are more people in town. Like yeah. we've seen an uptick in daytime folks, game players at Guardian because they're just in town already for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but kids are out of school all week. And... Um, and there are actual <laughs> just out of school. What's that? It just because isn't school. Just of oh, school that's right. The strike is already was was already yeah. happening before that. But I mean, like this is already uh, what do they call it? No school November. That's not what they call November, but sure. That's what parents call it because there's uh-huh. a ton of time off in, from school. There's just lots of closures like already. Yes. It's probably why they struck in November because they're not missing as much school as they would otherwise be. 
I think it's because it's contract negotiation time. Yeah. But yeah, either way, <clears throat> lots of people. But, it, are but it, it works out. It works out is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. I actually have like hard, I actually have hard numbers through my day job. Um, uh, PDX reported that um, there is a 10% increase of flights coming into Portland uh, over last year. It's almost at like 2019 levels of people flying in for this holiday. So lots of people in town. Mm -hmm. Great. And they're all on the freeway right now. Mm -hmm. I hate them. Uh, They're all (laughs) staying in hotels until they stay with family members, which keeps me employed. That's very smart. And like, like keeps restaurants and, it keeps businesses open and mm-hmm. restaurants open. Good. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so how was it. how was uh, the interview? It was a lot of fun. Um, he was both more calm and then more animated than I expected. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I was telling Aron um, that I watched a a interview that he did with Film Threat, um, which kind of gave me an indication that he was not going to interview the way I thought he was going to interview. Um, they, they are very. I know a lot of the answers that they gave and the things that they talked about. They say a lot because it's in all of their press kits, and it, it's, and that's just part and parcel of what you do when you interview. Mm-hmm. But they are also unexpectedly genuine for people from Hollywood. Like they are, I feel like they, they are who they say they are. They're, right. they're, they're what it says on the tin. And I, that is very collaborative people, artistically, and supportive. And so it wasn't this wild, debauched interview. It was very animated and very excited. But it, it was not... It isn't what you would expect after watching... Any of his films. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think correct. that I, I can see where that would be the case, though. Um, how do I describe what I'm thinking? Um, I don't. I don't think that their art is uh, what most people would consider to be particularly mainstream. Oh um, no! You know, it, it's it's not the sort of thing that makes you a, a household name and just like. I, I guess for lack of a better word, like the Hollywood elites, you know, where, where people are going to be more prone to uh, like really buy into the idea that they are a big deal. And, you know, there are certain expectations about how they should be interacted with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's uh, what I'm, what I'm picturing here based on what you're describing is that they are, they have managed to maintain like their genuine selves and, and, continue to care more about the art than their fame. Yep, that comes across. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, 
that's cool. Um, I can see, uh, I can see the chat, uh, the little, last little bit there um, before uh, I logged in, but you guys had already gone on break. And it, yeah, it sounded like you guys had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to December 1st to checking the show out. Um, plus, you know, it's been a while since we've had an almost egregious amount of time spent at the Clinton Street Theater. So <laughs> the the show starts at 5 and goes to 11. Not, they wanted me to remind you, doesn't mean they're going for like five hours. Right. Six hours. It's the programming. The, event is, the programming is, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I think what... The way they have the their live shows set up, like they tour to different places with this movie or these these three movies, mm-hmm. but in each location, they partner with locals. Mm-hmm. Like the band that they are performing with is local, the burlesque performers that they're performing with are also local. Wow! Yeah. So it's not just a big touring show. No. Yeah. It, it, it's in the spirit of we we want to find new things. We want to collaborate. Like I, I I'm not trying to like fanboy or or um, make people out to be saints when they're not. Um, I'm just saying that this is my general impression, <clears throat> having mm-hmm. now met them mm-hmm. this way. So, and it's probably fun because it makes for a different show for them too. Like they have mm-hmm. like. They have, you know, whatever, their outline. But if you collaborate with somebody different in every city, it's a different show than every time because mm-hmm. those people bring different energy. Um, you know what yeah. else can bring really good energy to your room? What's, <laughs> What's that, that, Aaron? Uh, the fine items you can purchase at Asylum, 3713 oh. Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard across from the Baghdad Theater. Um. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so I, as as folks know, I have a very small, much smaller place that I live in now. And if folks don't know, I do. Um, and I keep looking at the Takara wall-mounted shelves for books and plants and my various little spaceships and monsters that I want to put on display in my new place. And these are kind of perfect for efficient, small living. Mm-hmm. They're very cool, actually. I'm going to be taking a look this week at Asylum. Uh, my house is neither efficient nor small, but I, I still really like that, that book. And, uh, and I would I would have those. I, I want them. They would be cool going up your steps, like on the wall as you go up. Mm, interesting. I always kind of like that look, though, when you have bookshelves that are just that are flanking your stairs. I always dug that look. So It is a really roomy staircase. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be what an cool. interesting idea. And then I do got... boring old family photos, but this is way cooler. <laughs> you could put a few of those on there, yeah. or we'll do see. what I did with my photos and sneak in some random stuff. <laughs> like, like Cable hasn't seen my place yet, but you know, I have one of those frames that are like picture collages. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of them is from uh, Curiosity and Oddities a couple years ago. With you, Denise, sticking your head through a very buxom drawing of a woman, and Becca sticking her head through one and just oogling your cartoon breast. <laughs> um, that was a very a, funny it moment. Makes, it makes me smile. 
Uh, one is if you don't know him of uh, our old good friend Little John from Dark Arts a couple years ago, just mean mugging the camera. But then I stick in random shit. Like one of them is just a screen capture from Jaws, but with King Shark in the background hanging out with him. And every time I look at it, it makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah the hot hand. Nom nom. Nom nom. <laughs> I read. No no way. No no. Sometimes I think uh, I think King Shark might be my um. What is the correct term now? Oh, um, you know, because we all we all started using Patronus to be non-appropriative, but now that's shitty too. So how right. do you how do you describe uh, a thing that you know embodies your sense of self? I don't know. All right, we gotta we gotta figure that out. That's important. Which is funny because I think my version is the Ron Funches King Shark from the Harley Quinn animated series. <laughs> Um, That's a good one. Also, is, good one. is the uh, is the gif of the crab eating ramen? Yes, you are the crab. That should be your next tattoo. A crab eating <laughs> ramen. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's really dumb, but I don't hate it. Yeah. Um, so looking back, also, I've I've never heard of Swedish almond cake, but I like this cake pan that they sell. I don't know if I would make. A, a sweet cake? I'm looking at it and I'm like, I could make a giant pizza log. I, I think what I find fascinating about it is it makes it look like the can or like the cake came out of a can. Like it That's was true. And it's bread. very uniform. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Swedes are a weird people. It, or it's like uh, an and also uns- like you've taken a bunt cake and, and made it not a circle anymore. Now it's yeah, it has so it has a sort of a soft, spongy, almost like a like a lemon pound cake type of like density and texture. Yeah, it's like the Egon of cake pans. The whole like you even had a slinky. I had part of a slinky, but I straightened it. <laughs> uh, and all of these things can be found at Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, they do have. I don't think they ever went away, but they have the. The paper lantern stars, which are just mm-hmm. always gorgeous. They're battery powered. They're really cool. I've always wanted one, so maybe I'll get some now. Maybe yeah, I'll hang them on my patio. I saw mm-hmm. those, and I was thinking about how like those have been around for so many years, and you've always wanted one, and you've just never done it. I'm sure they're never. Not I've never done it. Never. No, no. I, I need to. I need to fix that. Um, Likewise. I think we have like one more week with Asylum, but I don't want to. I don't want to not finish. I want to finish this commercial by looking at. If you scroll down for a few weeks, there's the the advent calendar that's just wood with a wooden deer that you kind of hop down the days. Yeah, that's mm. cute. So, but in the end, does the deer just fall into ranch dip? Is that the I, way of the people? That's not ranch dip. Oh, I mean, I didn't think so. Uh, it's a, it's is it a meant candle. to be a candle? So it then you light the dip. I, you, it is a candle. Yep, it's a it's tea light. The, the wick is laying down in such a way that yeah. it looks like it's ranch dip. Come December 25th, light the, light the deer on fire. Light the deer on fire. Uh, Sacrifice the very metal, metal Christmas. Which is also yeah. quite yeah. Swedish. So it all, it all pans sacrifice, out. Sacrifice the beast to the pagan gods of yeah. New York. <laughs> 
Yeah, that, um, there you go. Good. Asylum for all your pagan god Yule needs. Don't forget to follow them on Facebook at TDX Asylum. That's right. <laughs> um, what have folks been up to? I feel like we're doing the show in reverse now. Oh, I know, right? Um, I don't have anything. I just watched Blue Beetle. Did you like it? I did. Um, I, I, there's definitely some parts I have like some mixed feelings about, and, and we can get into yes. that if you guys like. Because uh, Aaron, I, I think you've seen it. Uh, Cable, I don't. I know have. If you have or not? I have not. Mm-hmm. I've been watching other movies recently, so I haven't been. I, I'm not. Maybe we can do that. Ones. Maybe we can do that next week. Sure, sure. If Cable, if you want to watch it before, I'll give it a shot. Is it streaming on Max? Yes. Yeah. I should just still say HBO because it's HBO. I just I know yeah. I I still call it HBO. I don't care. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I uh, no. I I spent the weekend watching both <laughs> the Forbidden Zone and uh, Aliens, Clowns, and and Geeks. Yeah. Um, the bloody Burle- The bloody was it? Bloody Brenda. Bloody Bridget. Bloody Bridget. Bridget. That actually sounds really fun. So mm. it does. That's, that's the new one that's going to be screened at this event, right? That's correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. It came out this year, and they've been taking it to different fest- film festivals. So mm. that's... Is that the only way that people can see it? Is it these festivals, or is it, it streaming yes. anywhere? Those other two movies are streaming. Uh, they're both on Tubi. Although it sounds like this isn't even more updated um, version of the Forbidden Zone than just the colorized version that's on Tubi. Yeah, he mentioned that he finally got to make changes that he always wanted because he just couldn't afford it the first time through. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Christian was going through the trivia while we watched the Forbidden Zone, and, and that's what I learned, and that's why I was excited uh, to hear like more of the story behind the the colorizing. Of the right. So I'm, I'm, I look forward to listening to the interview I missed. Um, it was fun. Uh, but what were um, what were your guys' thoughts on the movie uh, that we have all seen, The Forbidden Zone? It is um, absurd. Yes. <laughs> in, in all ways. Um, uh, the, the thing that I... I pointed out to Aaron and then pointed it out to both Richard and Anastasia is that while it is a movie that I had not seen before and it is not like any movie I've seen before, I have seen it's an influence on movies of the past 30 years. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, images and stuff, especially Danny Elfman as the devil. Yep. Uh, you know. Yeah. But, that, like, uh, there were shots or there were moments or actor choices that I'm like I feel like I've seen so and so steal this bit and put it in this blockbuster movie mm. or so and so take that bit of imagery and merge it with this other weird movie that he did um, Yeah, I, there's a now a movie that I want to watch that also is related to the Forbidden Zone and that is Freeway with uh, a young, um... sorry guys, that's me. 
I, I suspect he, he's having a fire alarm testing. Yes. Um, there's a movie called Freeway that has a young, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jack Bauer, Kiefer Sutherland, uh-huh. um, and an even younger Reese Witherspoon, where she's in a, a, like an abused teen and gets picked up by this crazy hitchhiker and chaos ensues. That movie is directed by Matthew Bright, who plays the um, character Squeeze It in mm-hmm. The Forbidden Zone and his trans sister, Renee. Boo! Aaron will be back. Uh, it's just our show now, Denise. Woo! Party! Um, interesting. I, you know, like, I'm. If this feels rude of me to say on the same episode that we had the guests on who made the movie, but uh, I was not familiar with The Forbidden Zone before uh, we started, you know, bringing this down the pipeline. Um, and I I didn't pick up on any of the, the more, like, cinematic influences, but um, the, the Oingo Boingo stuff is is really there the music stuff that you then you know sort of you can pick up on like the early danny elfman vibes um and uh from what i understand that the movie uh, really captured um a lot of what uh what the knights of uh was it the knights of the order of Oingo Boingo? Is the there Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Thank you. Yeah, the the, yeah. the longer, older, like original band name. Uh, it was it. The movie kind of captured what what their performances were because they were mm-hmm. very uh, performance art, not just the music. So here's my okay. Now that we're not actually talking with Richard uh, and Anastasia about this, I have been listening to Oingo Boingo since I was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, a fair amount of time. Um, like most people at my age, my first um, introduction to Oingo Boingo was through the movie Weird Science, where they did the title music. But that led me to the album Dead Man's Party, which is not their first album, but it is their most commercially um, well-known. And... I bought that and started listening to it and Weird Science became my least favorite song on the album only because it's like, yeah, I know that one. All the rest of them are fucking bangers. Like, this is great. I love (laughs) this music. And could only go down like the rabbit hole of learning about them so much because we didn't have the internet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had to like talk to people that hung out at the local record store. And so I knew about Richard. I knew about the Forbidden Zone. And I knew about the original name of Oingo Boingo being the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Mm -hmm. So that is, and and then I've kind of followed Oingo Boingo and Danny Elfman uh, along his career. So the new bits of information that being offered the opportunity to do this interview that I learned was Richard is the one that founded Oingo Boingo, not Danny. Mm -hmm. Because 
it, like you said, it is a theater troupe. Or what, like the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo was a theater troupe. And then when um, it passed hands from Richard to Danny, Danny is the one that went, now we're just Oingo Boingo and it's going to be this eight member band and this is the kind of music we're going to do. And uh, yeah, and they, they have both talked about the fact that that happened while they were filming the Forbidden Zone. Oh, okay. So, so both of those things are kind of interlinked. It, it became the birth of Richard as that as this kind of avant-garde filmmaker and Danny as a very avant-garde band leader. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why those two are very, very closely linked. I didn't really know that. It's like I had kind of stopped doing some of my research on this, but now looking into it, I'm like, this is this is more info than I knew before. So it it's real it's been really neat to me to find out new things about a band that has been a formative part of my life. <laughs> mm. That's cool. I'm I'm glad that you got to like broaden this particular horizon. I yeah. I'm a little young for Oingo Boingo. There's a few songs I like. Uh, Private Life in particular is uh, mm-hmm. I think I'll never get tired of that song. Um, but. Uh, it was still really interesting to sort of like see the beginnings of, of the parts that I do know, just, you know, just like you explained uh, and, and see all this other wild uh, art. Uh, it's, it's not really for me, uh, but I, I appreciate the, the passion that it takes to make something so bizarre and put it out into the world. Absurdist cinema is not for everyone. It really is not. Mm. Um, and there are things that I've watched that I'm like, yeah, this fits in absurdism and I, it's not my thing. Um, I think I, I, I feel like I've, expl- I've said this to you off air where absurdist cinema uh, and like live performance art uh, have a wholly special place in my heart mm-hmm. because that is not the kind of art that I create. Mm-hmm. I don't have, I don't think that way. I don't create that way. Um, and so I like it when I see it because I know it's not going to be something that I've seen before or will see again more, more than likely. Um, there's an ephemeral nature to it that makes it special. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder with cinema because you can, watch the movie over and over again. But that, that first sensation that you get when you watch it and you're like, the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like the one of the most, uh, I think that's also why Buckaroo Banzai is my favorite movie is it is absolutely absurd <clears throat> and yet makes complete sense to me. <laughs> Interesting. And is full of people that have very long and storied careers and are very well known now. Um, and uh, like the performances they give in that are are fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's why I, I am definitely the audience for things like the Forbidden Zone. Mm-hmm. And and uh, 
Rocky Horror, Shock Treatment, Buckaroo, Big Trouble in Little China. That's another one that's mm. absurd in its own way. You know, it's it's I I don't even know how to pinpoint what it is um, about something like really like bizarre or just like just weird and out there. Like I feel like more. more I'm like, what is? But every now and then there will be mm-hmm. something, and I'm like, that is so weird, and I can't get enough. But I've never really been able to pinpoint what what that magic formula is that some on a very rare occasion somebody gets it right for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's because it's magic and you can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a pretty good way to, to sum that up. Hello. Welcome Hi. back, friend. <clears throat> well, that, that sucked. I am sorry that happened. Happens about every month and a half. I'm just fucking glad it didn't happen at 3 a.m. this time. Yeah. Why is it happening? Okay. They don't know. Um, at first, it was someone's unplugging the fire alarms in the common areas. That's not fucking it. Um, now they think it's because someone leaves a door open and a houseless person is just triggering the alarm, which is possible. But what's more likely is that this building has shitty wiring and the building owners don't want to fess up to it. But I do believe I would be the very first tenant this building's ever had that knows Oregon's code. Yeah. And they will be getting a letter reminding them that they are in violation and the building is unlivable if this continues and that I will be under my legal right to not pay, nor do I have to save up until they fix it. Nope. Yeah, man. That, that's and that I can break a lease. Yep. And I can break a lease whenever I want if they do not fix it. Yep. So. Yep. Not that that's what you want to do, but. Don't want to move, but I do like to make a point. Mm-hmm. Also, and the other downside like of having sleep? a building for it of like young people is they don't know how the rules work, and I'm just old and shitty and bitter enough to do. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. <sighs> that oh my is... god! If I could, if I could break at a real estate investment company, I could die happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun bucket list item. Yeah. Anyway, sounds like you guys had a great conversation. Um, we did. We we were talking more about uh, the <clears throat> Forbidden Zone and the history of uh, Oingo Boingo and and uh, and Richard and Danny. Um, I I don't want to pat us on the back or anything, but I am glad that we did a very good job. I think you and I, between us, mentioned Danny by name twice. I really want, I'm sure that the, he, he's probably cool about it, but I'm sure that happens to him a lot. I think he mentioned his brother more than we did. Yeah, he does, which is fine. <clears throat> like, I, I liked that we very made, much made it the point of like, no, this interview is with Richard and Anastasia Elfman and not Danny. Mm-hmm. Right. We, not that we wouldn't interview Danny. <laughs> yeah, I don't no. think he, he doesn't do much. He doesn't do interviews these days. I think the last interview that he gave was to um, all classical radio. Um, the guy that does the score, whose name is escaping me, 
Oh, this is yeah. dumb. Uh, I know who you're talking about, though. Yeah, um, he reached out to Edmund Stone. Edmund Stone is, uh, but I'm gonna give them a shout out. I'm, I, he does it. That's a good show. The score by Edmund Stone is one of the best shows on all classical radio, and all classical radio is fantastic in and of itself. They are not paying me to say this. I'm actually paying them. Um, <laughs> right. They, but yeah, um, Edmund Stone, I think, got. That was the last time that Danny Elfman was given an interview. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. Do this is thing. what I mean. It's a wiring issue. It's a wiring issue. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a normal. Yep. But, uh, yeah, he did a, an interview about his career, and that spread over, like, two episodes of the score. And the score is like a two-hour program. Wow. <laughs> That's an in-depth interview. Yep. Uh, like Edmund Stone has, has even said, it's like, that was, I didn't expect to get that interview. It was a long shot. And he's like, oh, yeah, I totally want to do this. That'll be great. Yes. Good, so. good, for, good for Edmund. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do highly recommend it. He's he's great to listen to. Um, uh. uh I, I didn't get to ask, are you planning on going to the uh, live show on the first? Uh, I hadn't put it in my calendar yet, but I think it would be fun for us to go as a group. Um, I know Aron already has a ticket. I also have a ticket. Uh, I'm also bringing Dave and Jesse from Fright Town. Mm, okay. So I uh, should get my ticket. Yee. Uh, sooner than later, I think. Because mm. it is likely to sell out. Good to know. I mean, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty big event, so. Like, and... it, it's not like selling out the, um, uh, why can I never remember names when we do the show? Why do they, like, these are classic Portland landmarks that are just, I can't remember, uh, like, fucking family owns, like, 20% of the buildings in town. The music hall that's in downtown that's named after a person. Uh, not Revolution Hall. Uh, Keller that's... Auditorium. Um, no. Uh, the Judy Kufour. Um, nope. Uh, oh, my God. Yes. The Arlene uh, no. Schnitzer yes. Concert Hall. Jewish. For Fox sake. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Um, like, it's not selling out, like, the schnitz but the clinton is still a big enough theater and it's still impressive to to sell uh sell out that theater um and i feel like uh, uh, it's, fans... it's, it is a not insubstantially sized theater yeah um oh okay good to know um have fun we'll be here <laughs> wow okay Aaron's going to go talk to the man. Someone has to. It, it, and it's always the adult in the room. Yeah, that's what he gets for being an adult. Yeah. It, it often sucks. Um, yeah, I, I think you would, uh, like, even if the movie is not your cup of tea, um, I think the show is going to be fun. Um, 
the I've now blanked in, on the name of the performers that they've got. Oh, can you still hear me? Yes. Okay. The light on my microphone just shut off. Anyway. Oh. Yeah. Weird. Um, the the two burlesque performers that uh, are booked uh, run in the same circles that we do. So they're, we know them by like two or three degrees of separation. Um, but they'll be performing. Uh, the band is going to be an eight-piece band. That should be fun. And yeah, I'm looking forward to watching uh, Dave watch this because he was telling me that um, he used to he's seen the Forbidden Zone about ten times and has watched it before every Fright Town season. <laughs> uh, that, that scans. Uh, he did this at, like he watched it pre Fright Town, like when he was just doing the museum at Scream at the Beach back in the mm-hmm. day. And that one year he used the Forbidden Zone as his orientation film to explain what he wanted for haunting this year. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, that all makes like one million percent sense. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Oof. Oh, now I'm picturing it. I'm like, well, I guess, I guess Baron, bon- Baron Von Gulu has a Ooh. little bit of of that aesthetic of um it does what what is what is elfman's character in the forbidden zone is it like is it the devil or just some sort of demon i can't remember he is the devil the devil okay yeah yeah he... yeah i can i can see the inspiration yep i i had to do that quick switch i'm like wait which elfman because they're they're both in it Richard, Richard, our 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 guest. Because Richard's the masseuse. Nice. What? What? Did I have that backwards? No, no. Uh, Danny oh, was I, the I devil. I think I misheard. Richard is, yeah, Richard is the masseuse. But they're they're both. Oh, in oh the my movie. gosh! I had that totally backwards in my brain. Right. Um, I just, I, I, I thought that, uh, yeah, I, I 100% thought it was the other way around. Um, My retention skills are. That's fine. You've had a day. Um, I will say that the, for, uh, not the forbidden zone, aliens, clowns, and geeks, uh, Mm -hmm. also feels very much like it's made by people who live in LA because it doesn't feel like it's, you know how when movies are filmed in L.A., they show a very specific side of L.A., like they do with New York and Manhattan? Usually, yeah, yeah. Um, Aliens, Cons, and Geeks feels like it's filmed by people who live in L.A. Because you get to see L.A. Mm. Um, oh, no. What? Uh... Uh, everyone texted. My phone is my camera. Oh, so. your phone I was like, is I was like, wait, how do I do that? Um, you know. 
Oh, um, oh no. Okay, oh, well, no. Then I'm, I'm glad he I'm glad he stepped outside then. Yes. I'm sure it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's not as surreal as uh, the Forbidden Zone because it feels like it's, it, it does feel like it's on par with a lot of movies we've seen at the Lovecraft Film Fest and at the Portland Horror Film Fest. Um, I think huh, it it stars um, his son Bodie, Bodie Elfman, mm-hmm. and I feel like that uh, he certainly understands uh, his father's level of absurdity for filmmaking, mm-hmm. um, because he. He goes full bore into like he's an actor playing an actor in the movie, um, and goes full bore into being absurd when the the movie calls for it. Um, I think the the performance in the movie that I did not expect and is probably the best of the film is the actor Steve Agee, who people will know from more modern takes of. Or modern movies of uh, the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, the TV show. Mm-hmm. He's the actor that plays Diebeard, the guy that's one of the technicians in mm-hmm. the truck. Um, like I started following him on Instagram because Steve Iggy is also a photographer, and he posts incredible candid photography of like with the permission of the film stars that he's working with and he posts them on Instagram and they're just, they're wonderfully shot. Like he is a great photographer. Um, but he plays, uh, Bodhi's character is named Eddie Pine and Steve Agee plays, um, Eddie's trans sister who runs a bar and burlesque show. And so Steve is in full drag and makeup the entire movie. Is never played for laughs. Ever. Everything about how he's playing the character is very genuine. And their performance is really well done. Like, which, seeing him in other things is like, yeah, that makes sense. He's he's real good. Um, but yeah, that the movie itself is a little goofy and could have been shortened in places mm-hmm. where I editing it. Um, but it, it's, it's still, it still has the same themes of family protecting family, mm-hmm. family, you know, looking out for family, which also came across in the interview when he was, they were talking uh, where Richard and Anastasia were talking about their relationship and their collaborative relationship that they have each other's back and, you know, they look out for one another when, if one of them is creating, the other one does like watches out for them and vice versa. Um, And they're each other's biggest fans. And the way Richard was talking about Danny, that also extends to he and Danny's relationship. So it's weird to watch these absurdist films and yet kind of get a glimpse that this is 
also how he views life and family, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. <laughs> Hopefully we get our own back soon. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, what what else do we have tonight? Uh, I think that was the big thing was okay. the interview and kind of talking about the movies. Um, definitely hyping up. Do I want to turn? No. What are you doing, computer? Um, definitely bringing up the 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 performance is going to be December first at the Clinton Street Theater. Tickets are $35. It goes from 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. That's three movies uh, and a live music and burlesque show uh, with local band, a local band and local um, burlesque performers. Um, and Richard and Anastasia are going to be here um, as as part of the live show. And it will be the, the Portland debut of Bloody Bridget, which is their newest film. Um, and it's all brought to us by um, Guignol Fest, which are our friends uh, Dylan and Julia. That's right. Uh, very cool. Uh, I think I think that's it for our time. I it feels weird because I feel like I just got here, but uh, I'm looking at the clock, and uh, that's a, oh yeah, we we we've been going for since six o'clock. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so I feel bad that Aaron's not here, but I think we're ready to sign off perhaps i don't know if he's going to keep i think his camera is going to keep broadcasting though uh yeah i we don't have any control on that one we don't um uh do we have any upcoming yeah, I was, I was going to say, I mean, I think we can put it out there that we've been watching um, Monarch, which we talked about last week, in advance because mm -hmm. we are looking to um, have Matt on to talk about the show. Um, yes, that is still on the table. Uh, I just have to, like, follow up with the Apple folks. Um, I think because when. it's with, the, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I like normally when it's a book that we're talking about, we can just contact the writers and we the artists and be like, yeah. hey, do you just want to come hang out? Yeah. But, uh, but this is Apple TV Plus and it's like they're, you know, they're, they're giving it a big rollout and, uh, there's been a lot of press and there's a, there's a press team as well as like the Portland marketing folks. So, um, yep. So I think I think we got a little bit lost in the gears with them, and I just need to like check in with the right person to be like, uh, "Don't forget about us, little folks." Sure, that makes sense. We're not little folks. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, we have reach. We we just interviewed the Elfmans for God's sake. I know we're so cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was incredibly. <laughs> Uh, it's been a weird day, and I am not firing on uh, very many cylinders. Um, that's quite all right. Um, so, yeah, let I, I at least wanted folks to know that that is coming up, and we are. If you haven't started watching Monarch yet, get on that. Yeah, I'm. I'm now four episodes in um, of the eight that's been available for advanced review mm -hmm. um it's 
fuck me. I, I like, I'm a fan of Matt's work. Um, but this is different. Like, I, I, I feel like I have the benefit of knowing him and knowing his work. Mm-hmm. I can feel where his hand is at in the creative process for this show. Um, but all of the moving parts that go on to make this, uh, the, the other, the, the other creators, the, the cast and the crew for this, they're, it is a very, um, it is an intense show and it Mm -hmm. is worthwhile. Like it, it stands up to critical review mm-hmm. and it is compelling. That's, I think that's the word I've been searching for this whole time. It is uh, really compelling. I, li- I liken the, um, the size of the show, uh, in terms of like, like reach, you know, uh, uh, viewership reach and like the, how like big the marketing push is and all of that. It reminds me of the early days of Game of Thrones. Oh, right. Uh, you know, with HBO and just like every week people are excited and talking about, you know, what happened and thinking, talking about what, what they think is going to happen next. And, you know, Oh, excited about all of these different moments um mm-hmm. and uh like i i feel like i took some of that away from myself by having watched so many episodes in one go uh and i'm excited to uh like dole them out now like re- not just re-experience it but watch them one week at a time it helps that my memory is so poor that like i can I can still be, I'll still have an opportunity to be excited about like a cliffhanger ending to an episode and what's going to happen next week. Um, Cause it has that same vibe of like, Oh boy, I'm excited for Sunday or whatever, whatever, whatever day the new episodes come out. I think it's a Friday show. Um, It is. It is a Friday show. Oh, which reminds me, uh, he let me know that this week's episode uh, because of Thanksgiving will come out tomorrow instead of Friday. Oh, nice. Yeah, so you get uh, you get one early Godzilla for Thanksgiving, kids. Yay! <laughs> I uh, yeah, they had me hooked after the first couple episodes, and then episodes three and four that I made it through. Oof! There are some there are some choices made. <laughs> uh, some heavy shit. There's there's some there's some. Oh, man. It's like so hard for me not to like get spoilery with it. Yep. Well, everyone like everyone is going to be caught up with it, it soon, and we'll all be able to talk about it, which will be great. Yeah. Um, I did have a coworker tell me that he was watching a uh, an interview with uh, Kurt and Wyatt Russell. Mm-hmm. I think it was like on Jimmy Kimmel or Seth Meyers. It was it was one of those shows. Or probably, what's the other kid from SNL that had a show? Um, that had a show? Or has a show. Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, Kurt Russell was talking about it. And um, 
how inv- like how involved this the behind the scenes story is and all the homework they have to do and all the things that they have to learn and Wyatt apparently said it's like I I feel like I need to do this publicly and on national TV I want to say I'm sorry to Matt Fraction because I think we bothered him with far too many questions through the entire production. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> so uh, so he got name dropped on uh, Jimmy Fallon. Nice. I'll have, to, yeah. I'll have to ask him if you heard about that. Probably. <laughs> He's probably like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Matt about this show. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I I think like I'm have been thinking about the questions that I want to put down on paper and and send in so we can go. This is what we want to talk about on the show. Uh, yeah, I think you did a really good job with that this week. Uh, oh, thanks. And I encourage you to do that more. I am encouraged to do it more. I, I hope it did not sound too stilted. You'll know more when. That comes across. Right. I'll uh, let you know. I'll give you my. I'll give you my feedback. Thanks. Um, but it was. We didn't limit ourselves to those questions. That was definitely a starting point for a lot of it. And um, Aron had a lot of uh, additional follow-up questions. And yeah, it it was a great time. I'm glad they they made the time to talk with us. And uh, if they ever want to talk with us again about other future endeavors. They are, we're happy to have them on. I'm just going to say that now. I'm going to talk for all three of us. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sure that we are all in agreement on that. They, they are, they are welcome anytime. Um, it, it's still, it's going to hit me later that I'm like, huh. I talked to Richard Elfman. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Cable would be so thrilled. 13-year-old Cable would be going, I'm sorry, the fuck did you just do? That's who I mean. What? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is baby Cable. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's 40 years ago. Oh, boy. 40 years ago. 40. I haven't even been alive that many years. I know. Okay, for reals. Yeah, let's let's sign out. Um, for those of you who want, you can enjoy looking at the inside of Aron's apartment until he's able to come back upstairs and turn off the stream. Um, uh, if you but, see smoke, warn us. Yeah, if you have our numbers or or our owns, let them know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I think we're going to sign out for this week. And as soon as I can. There we go. Um, so for Aron Duran, you're... Bina Rita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. And we'll talk and... to you all next week. Yes, we will. Have a good turkey day, if that's what you do. Bye, folks. Bye. Bye.